Welcome to the Leaders Edge podcast. I'm Sandy Laycox, Editor-in-Chief of Leaders Edge. In this episode, I talk with Brian Fritton, who is the founder and CEO of Havoc Shield, which is a cyber company that helps small and mid-sized businesses prepare to meet the ever-stringent requirements for cyber coverage. We discuss how the cyber threat has changed for small and mid-sized businesses and the challenge they have even completing the application. For brokers, this means business just sitting in the pipelines. Give it a listen. So Brian, thank you so much for joining me. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Sandy. Um, you are the founder and CEO of Havoc Shield, which is a cybersecurity company um, that could mean many things, of course. So tell us a little bit about uh, what Havoc Shield does. Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been a sort of startup junkie for most of my career. And I've always been the guy in the hot seat in, in these small companies uh, responsible for defending them from attacks. Uh, without a security team and, you know, without the, the budget or really time to build a profession program that we felt would defend us or help us get a insurance policy with new requirements or, you know, help us win a big customer. So we went through a lot of pain to try to build up something that, that worked for us uh, without spending an arm and a leg. And what we realized was that what my peers, you know, these uh, folks in operational roles, your, your one IT director, um, people who uh, are in that hot seat really need something that like what TurboTax did for tax prep, right? Um, when it comes to cybersecurity. So, so TurboTax took this uh, complex paper-driven confusing process that needed an expert involved in it, um, but you have to do, and it turned it into a step-by-step plan um, that, that brings most of us uh, through to, you know, filing uh, before the, before the deadline, hopefully. <laughs> and, uh, and so we kind of took that model uh, and applied it to, what you need to have for a professional cybersecurity program in place. And uh, we brought all the vendors, um, you know, when it comes to uh, the things that you need, like uh, endpoint detection response, backups, uh, staff training, all that stuff. Um, and we brought it under one roof so you can actually do the homework behind that program uh, as well. And so you are obviously primarily focused on the small business space, um, those sort of companies that just have that one person that's trying to figure all this out. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, I would say focus between like the 10 and 200, uh, as a, as a rough cut, uh, mm-hmm. and employees. Um, but you know, the, the types of problems they have, you know, are, are similar in effect nowadays to the types of problems that, you know, businesses in the thousand, 2000 range have, uh, when it comes to security in that, you know, uh, when we think about the insurance requirements on them, when we think about the types of things that their enterprise customers or partners are asking them to do, it's the same stuff. Um, and so, uh, you know, those thousand, two thousand person companies probably have uh, some more assets. Uh, and so, yeah, we focus on the SMBs that have an operation they got to get back to. And you all work with brokers, right? Yeah. So we work sort of up and down the chain. We work with MGAs and wholesalers and uh, uh, primarily with independent brokers. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the cyber world for your main uh, clients. Uh, we continue to see increasing claims within uh, severity and frequency. How are small businesses handling this? Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, it's still, you know, uh, I think we're still in trenches, right? Mm-hmm. So I think at, at a carrier level and a MGA level, 
you know, we're all trying to figure out what are the right requirements to put in place when it comes to cyber liability. These SMBs, I think, really care about risk transfer more than they ever have before. Mm -hmm. you know, they're incentivized by their partners, their board, uh, and their own sort of fear uh, of, of the impacts of an attack to get a policy. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they look at a new application that used to be, you know, two requirements and, you know, affordable premium and, uh, you know, really, really uh, good coverage. And, and it's turned into, uh, you know, because of ransomware and all the other events of the last couple of years, you know, 20 requirements and a more expensive premium and, and maybe some decisions to make in, in coverage. And so, you know, they are looking at, you know, the, the, the exchange of how much policy can I afford and how much pain is it going to take to get through that? And I, you know, a lot of them absolutely still want and need that, but they're also looking more proactively at, you know, folks like us who um, are putting a program together on the other side of it is, okay, maybe I've got some risk transfer in here with a policy, but I need to be proactive and make sure that, you know, uh, if I get hit by ransomware, you know, if, if some of this funds transfer fraud comes my way, do I have the assets and the capability of responding to that? And so I think that these small businesses are asking these questions um, sooner than they ever have before, and they're becoming more proactive, um, which is really nice to see. But again, you know, they have their day jobs. Um, they have to be guided through these types of things that have to be done well by someone or, uh, you know, a product like us that helps, you know, uh, rewrite the jargon into plain language. So one of my questions down the line here was going to be if if you were seeing an increase in awareness um, of the need for not only coverage but also you know risk management and you know and if so how are you sort of reaching well well I'll save that one so you you are seeing an an increased awareness so yeah I'm, yeah absolutely I mean it's hard to not see it, right? So as a main street business, as a technology startup, I mean, anywhere these small companies sort of reside in the environment, they're looking to their left and they're looking to the right and they're seeing a competitor or a partner or, you know, uh, 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 you know, someone in their business sphere dealing with the impacts of an attack or, you know, uh, being convinced to wire money to the, the wrong party, you know, by a malicious actor, things like that. And uh, I think that they see it happening more and more and more. And um, also, I think finally, the security industry has taken a step up in responsibility. You know, the security industry for a very, very long time and, and still to a large extent has been focused on large companies. Mm -hmm. um, and there's been products for these small businesses, but been sort of fragmented and, and not quite, you know, holistic. Um, and so I think there are more folks like us who are paying attention to it and leading the way and saying, hey, this is a real risk for your business um, and uh, and sharing more of that knowledge. And so, yeah, you have owners that are becoming more knowledgeable about what they should be doing here um, with or without a policy. Do you see more brokers coming to you from this space and saying that my client needs this, whether or not the client has has requested it? Yeah, so that's, um, you know, in, in Q4 of last year, that really started to happen a lot. And I think it's a couple of things that are happening. Obviously, brokers want to be trusted advisors to their clients. So, you know, priority number one is how can I 
advise my clients, you know, they don't want to just sell them a policy and say goodbye. You know, they want to be there. You know, the, the vast majority of these small businesses want to work with their broker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who they know and who they trust. And so a lot of the uh, broker partners that we have are trying to educate themselves and trying to bring solutions um, and not just you know, blog posts, they're trying to bring real ability to do the homework behind the types of things that these, you know, small business uh, insureds need. Um, and so uh, we uh, also witnessed that, you know, this is becoming a problem for them when it comes to their revenue uh, and to their operation. So uh, because of the sort of stubborn loss ratios out there and uh, uh, in cyber, um, you know, the requirements that are in place to, to get a policy have, have grown by, I'd, I'd probably say 10x. Yeah. And the uh, pipeline of, you know, the, these brokers businesses have just slowed way, way down, right? So you have these applications that, you know, uh, small business owners don't understand what they mean or where they stand on them. Uh, and so, you know, you have a producer or someone who should really be selling policies more and advising them the coverage, trying to co- coach them through what, you know, MFA means. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the other end of it, they go, okay, well, I know that I don't have that in place. I know I don't have backups and, you know, wh- whatever number of these other requirements on that. And so they have to go back to their business, leaving that application outstanding to try to do the homework behind them. And, you know, so they've got to find someone to help them do it. They've got to put together the pieces and then they've more and more got to prove that they've done it. Um, and so that just, you know, leave your applications outstanding in that pipeline for, for weeks, if not months. Uh, so we focus on kind of helping both sides of that equation is helping those brokers, um, you know, advise their clients on the right things and help them do the homework, but also build tools to um, speed up their pipeline, um, remove the necessity of, you know, uh, coaching all on your own with, with tools that they can self-serve and, um, mm-hmm. and trying to be a better partner to brokers that way. Do you think that because of um, the, the challenge of the, the you know loss, cost of loss, and and all of the requirements that you know policyholders now need to put in place in order to get coverage, in addition to that rising and rising premiums, do you think there's a risk of sort of uh, you know policyholders going either underinsured or you know without coverage at all, just just because mm-hmm. it's just too much? Absolutely. It's already happening. Um, you know, we see a lot of the, what I'll call exhaust from, uh, you know, insureds uh, getting denied, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because they can't meet the threshold for coverage. And uh, it's turning into, I think, more of a, a, a Boolean, yes, we're going to give you coverage or no, you're not going to get coverage. And these small policyholders, well, they can be profitable, good policies, uh, you know, they, uh, they can't meet that threshold more often than their larger counterparts. And so uh, we, we get a lot of brokers contacting us saying, hey, you know, can you help um, this new applicant who has already been denied two, three, four times get coverage at all? Mm-hmm. You know? um, and usually, you know, our answer is, is yes. Um, because we do the homework behind those requirements, uh, you know, to try to get, you know, a 10 out of 10 um, and we can prove it. And so we've got a number of wholesale and MGA partners that we work with to match up 
who mm -hmm. know and know what we can do and trust the sort of evidence behind what we can do there. Um, but you know, to your question, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of these uh, small policyholders uh, are not getting the types of coverage that they need, and um, you know, it comes really, I think, to brokers, uh, you know, the newness with cyber liability as well, right? Like mm -hmm. it's still very new. And it's hard to understand what is a pretty volatile market right now. You know, the requirements are changing and uh, the environment, the threat environment is, is still crazy. Um, and so, you know, I think to a large extent, carriers and, you know, capacity is still really trying to figure this out. Mm -hmm. um, I think it'll settle in the next, you know, uh, year or two a lot more than it has because there is a lot of growth here, right? Uh, SMBs represent a hugely accelerating segment of of right. you know desired in, in policyholders, mm -hmm. and there's a there's a good amount of cash and a good amount of business, and they expand too, right? As these businesses grow, you know they need uh, DNO, they need ENO, right? They they expand, and so I think we'll we'll see it grow. Now, do you think there will? And you may not know the answer to this, but do you feel like the market will sort of become more and more a specialized, you know, you said you, you're going to wholesalers and MGAs to find coverage. Do you think it will go more and more in that direction versus just kind of general main carrier coverage? Yeah, I think that uh, at least what we're seeing right now is um, more of that wholesale and MGA sort of tier filling the knowledge gap and fill in mm -hmm. the, the capacity gap, right, with more um, purpose-built cyber liability products that, um, you know, strike a balance between the, the risk and the desire for better coverage and, and a reasonable price. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of work, right, obviously, to get right and have the right conversations and engage the right types of partners like us. And um, so I think, yeah, I think we'll see more specialty uh, for sure there. But... Uh, my other thought is that, again, you know, most small business owners overwhelmingly want to work with the person down the street. They want to work with their independent broker that they've known throughout the course of their business. They don't want to go to some large insure tech that's faceless and they want to know what types of coverage they need. So while I think that there's that specialty tier that's going to be, you know, core to making this uh, efficient and, and figuring out how to price this and, and help the carriers. Um, with that telemetry, uh, as a as a broker, as an independent broker, you're still going to need to be knowledgeable about it. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, just a, a couple more here. Um, you know, we still hear that things like ransomware and phishing and very sort of employee focused um, cyber attacks are happening and driving a lot of a lot of the loss. So. In your role, how do you reach the employees, the ones who really need to hear the messaging and hear the training? And how do you, because I feel like we've all heard this for a really long time, like don't click on, you know, unknown emails or, so how do you reach them? And then how do you keep up? Are these attacks changing in nature? How do you keep up with that? Help me out with this. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a great question. So you can put all of the technology in place to, you know, build a good defense and, and try to catch the attackers. But, you know, uh, if, you know, someone in your operations team or, uh, you know, anyone, anyone on your team 
isn't educated enough on you know what a malicious email looks like um, or how these types of you know fraud transfer uh, social engineering attacks occur you know then you're done right you're baked and so uh, it's super 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 important and I feel that uh, anyone insuring uh, an SMB or or a larger counterpart needs to be asking more about the human element to your point. Um, what we do is we have a core tool in our tool set that does uh, you know, award-winning cyber awareness training through a partner of ours. Um, we recommend that it occur in small increments monthly. You, know, you get a lot of companies that just do the one annual you know, checkbox training you know, and it's just this boring slide deck that happens over like 25 minutes. No <laughs> one wants to do it. Like the person responsible just has to herd cats for a whole two months to try to get everyone on board, you know, so they can be in compliance. That's that's not the way that we want to do it, right? You want to make it enjoyable and a learning experience and engage people. And so we try to do that in small, small little bite-sized um, uh, uh, sessions. And then, uh, you know, we test it. Uh, and so we do phishing simulations um, and we, uh, you know, try to make those as real world as possible, both on the sort of, you know, uh, phishing side of things, but also on the, you know, the types of scams and, you know, um, wire fraud types of uh, uh, techniques that are out there. Um, and then, you know, when inevitably some of those employees fall victim to those tests, you know, we don't scold them. We just we just help them understand and educate them. And so, um, you know, that's a that's a part where we want uh, our SMB customers to be better educated at a sort of administrator level about how to roll those things out. So we we take pretty good care about how to onboard companies into performing that process, mm -hmm. and we try to make it easy to to have it be engaging. Um, uh, staying in front of it, uh, we have an advisory board. Uh, with uh, folks in like very high level uh, security industry roles, people who built very, very large companies um, and, you know, led them uh, and really understand, uh, you know, uh, at a high level where things are going and, and have experienced that. But we also have folks on our advisory board who are tactically in the jobs, in security jobs for large, medium and small companies, you know, with companies like MailChimp, Duo, Webflow, you know, companies you know. And we regularly interface with them to sort of understand across the, the environment what techniques and tactics they're seeing because you know, these, these threats are ever-changing. Right. And then we update our, what I'll call our catalog of modules, you know, the types of priorities we, we put people through in our program, in, in, our, in, our, uh, uh, in our product, uh, we update that to, to meet the needs. Any thoughts on whether or not um, we should be paying ransomware? Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a very, very hard decision. Uh, you know, when it comes to outside of just, you know, will an insurer cover it or should we cover it? Um, you got to think about in, in, in the seat of a business owner, they have a decision to make between, okay, well, I can pay the $50,000 ransomware and be back in business tomorrow, or I've got to go through all of the processes, even if they have coverage to do the you know, response and remediation and get back up and 
they can't often see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And that's where I think as partners, you know, folks in my position and my company's position, uh, brokers and, and insurers as a, as a general uh, risk transfer um, benefit, we need to do a better job of educating uh, folks how to respond to the inevitability of an attack. And if so, if they can see the light at the end of the tunnel, they've exercised how to respond to an incident, um, then I think actually we'll see less people opting to pay rent. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've got to do it. And it's got to be more of a question of when an attack will happen, not if it will happen in a lot of cases. And if we take that attitude towards it, people are going to build better defenses. So it's less likely to happen. And when it does happen, uh, then you're going to mitigate the impacts um, so sincerely that all of our claims risk goes down, the business gets back in business quicker, uh, ransomware becomes less of an attractive target um, or, or, or technique for attackers. Uh, and so it kind of solves a lot of problems, but we got we got to get to that education, that exercise and that preparation for an incident first. I think that was a good answer to that. So you passed the test. <laughs> um, well, Brian, anything else that you know from the small business perspective that we didn't go over that you feel like would be great for our listeners? You know, I always like to leave people with like the how to's of it, you know, so we're a company that differentiates on doing the homework behind requirements. And so I like to always try to be helpful is if you're not going to do anything else you know, one thing to do uh, is enable multi-factor authentication on everything you possibly can. You know, it just stops a whole category of attacks and it's really quite easy to do uh, on whatever you use, whether it's Google Workspace for your email, Office 365, you know, most business SaaS applications now support it. If they don't move and find one that does, <laughs> uh, you know, especially if it's critical to your business, um, it just prevents a whole thing. And the last thing I'll say is like um, security is a scary topic and technology is not going to solve everything. Find someone in your sphere who you trust, who's knowledgeable about it and ask them questions. You know, to a certain extent, like security is very business specific, what you should be doing because of the data you hold, industry you're in and size you are. Um, and if uh, you don't have anyone, then, you know, uh, we are glad to be that. Um, and so while we have a SaaS product that's all self-serve, uh, we believe in putting the human in front of that as well. So just email me. It's Brian, B-R-I-A-N, HavocShield.com, and we'll try to help you. There you go. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brian. It's been great chatting with you, and I really appreciate it. Thanks, Andy. That was Brian Fritton of HavocShield. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. You can find more Leaders Edge podcasts at SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.